0: Think for a second about legacy, about what you might want to leave behind after you die. Maybe it's a house, or some land, or a body of artistic work, maybe even a business. But it's probably not, however, a collection of churches, like African King Lalibela of the Zagwe dynasty. The Zagwe dynasty ruled most of what is now northern Ethiopia and Eritrea. King Lalibela died in the 13th century, and the churches he left behind are architectural marvels. They inspire thousands of visitors every year. There's 11 of them in total, and these massive structures are carved entirely out of singular pieces of rock. And rather than towering above the landscape, they descend down into the earth. The most impressive of them, the Church of St. George, is almost four stories tall and built with no advanced technology. No bricks, no concrete, no mortar. This ancient structure has been called the eighth wonder of the world, yet it's very much alive. My name is Baudelaire, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we go to the town of Lalibela in northern Ethiopia to learn about King Lalibela's greatest contribution to his people, the rock-hewn church known as St. George's, where religious services are held to this day. More after this.
1: along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. For your next vacation spot, check out Texas for their vast landscape of culture, regions, destinations, and activities. Explore 350 miles of coastline and every kind of hiking trail from strenuous to wheelchair-accessible, Enjoy world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Travel Texas even offers an online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours.
0: The town of Lalibela is dedicated to its religious importance in Ethiopian Orthodox Christian lore. The town's economy is tied to the hundreds of thousands of Ethiopians who make pilgrimages to Lalibela to pray at the illustrious churches. You see, Ethiopians' relationship with Christianity is different than most of Africa. In West Africa, for example, Christianity can be seen as a tool of colonialism, brought on by missionaries from the 15th century onward, but in Ethiopia. The relationship with Christianity is almost as old as the religion itself. And by the time the Zagwe dynasty rose to power in the 10th century, the empire was majority Christian. And King Lalibela, one of the 11 kings of the Zagwe dynasty, was a devout Christian.
2: Of course, he was not only a king, he was a king and a priest, and later also canonized by the church as a saint.
0: That is Fikru Waldi Georgis. He's been a tour guide in the city of Lalibela for about 15 years. I should add that he's also a grandfather and did this interview while watching his grandkids, so you might hear them every now and then. Fikru is a local who learned about the legend of Lalibela in Sunday school and has a passion for the history of his hometown.
2: Being from Lalibela, it's uh, it's a privilege and uh, special to be in Lalibela. You might have heard uh, or you might have read that uh, Lalibela is the hometown of uh, Rokion churches, which is unique for Ethiopia.
0: Fikru told me that most of the people in the town of Lalibela know the story of King Lalibela and the hewn churches. It's something you learn from young, and it instills a pride in the king that surpasses any of the other Zagwe rulers. Legend has it that at King Lalibela's birth, a swarm of bees surrounded him. Because of this, his mother decided to name him Lalibela, Lal meaning honey and Bella meaning eat. So literally the name means honey eater, but it said the bees recognized the royal child and surrounded him like an army protecting its leader. His mother took this as a sign that he'd be a great and prosperous leader when his time came. But as Lalibela grew older, his commitment wasn't just to his royal duties. He also committed himself to his religion, Ethiopian Orthodox Christianity. Much of Lalibela's life is shrouded in mystery, but it's said that before he took the throne, he made a pilgrimage to the holy city of Jerusalem. And there he had a vision. The vision showed him that it was his holy obligation to build a new Jerusalem in Ethiopia. That way, his subjects wouldn't have to travel the almost 2,000 miles he did to see the majesty of the Holy Land. As an essential part of this new Jerusalem, Lalibela's vision also included building massive churches carved entirely out of rock. And when he ascended to the throne in the late 12th century, he immediately got to work bringing his vision to life. Lalibela was so beloved that after his death, he was canonized as a saint by the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. A lot of the stories we know about him come from writings that were written after his sainthood. So Lalibela's legacy is a mix of fact and legend. And because of that, it's really hard to differentiate between the two. For example, on one hand, there's the legend that the idea for the New Jerusalem came from a vision. But also, around Lalibela's reign in 1187, Jerusalem was besieged by Muslim forces. So some say that is why the New Jerusalem came to be. It was more of a practical thing. But others, including Fikru, insist that it was divine.
2: According to uh, the Chronicle of Lalibela, you know, he he was chosen. Uh, He was like a messenger of God to recreate their own Jerusalem in the country.
0: And the highlight of the New Jerusalem that King Lalibela built is the rock-hewn churches. There's 11 in total, but many say the most grand of them all is St. George's.
2: I can say it's photogenic than than the others.
0: Photogenic might be underselling it just a bit. I mean, this church is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. The entire church is below ground level and carved entirely out of one massive piece of rock, making it more of a sculpture than a building. This means that when you walk up to St. George's, you see the reddish roof with crosses carved in first, but as you walk closer and look down into the hole, the church and its majesty reveal itself. When it was initially sculpted, it took thousands of men with hammers and chisels to make this thing come to life.
2: The, the technique is, you know, uh, it's like it's like sculpture uh, or negativity. So taking the material out. So they didn't brought any material to the site, rather taking the material out. It's all the same rock, like the planes the walls, uh, the pillar, uh, the gutter, everything is the same rock.
0: After they dug a trench around a giant cube of solid rock, the men split into two groups, with half carving the outside of the church and the other half carving out the inside. But Fikru told me the men working on the sculpture weren't working alone. Ethiopian Orthodox Christians believe angels work side by side with the men. On the inside, St. George's has all the makings of your traditional church. There's crosses carved into the wall, rugs on the floor, and artwork depicting the Virgin Mary and Jesus. There's also archways and columns like in regular buildings, even though they aren't necessary with this entire building being one piece of rock. And Fikru also mentioned to me that the inside of the church doesn't actually look as big as it does from the outside because of how thick the walls and the roof are. King Lalibela didn't live long after St. George's finished. But after it was done, it immediately was put to use. And Sunday service at St. George's has never
2: stopped. Every day, every morning... Churches are open for a service. It's a living church, never been abandoned, even for a single day.
0: And it can't miss a day because today, from all over the world, and especially all over Ethiopia, pilgrimages are made to all of the rock-hewn churches of Lalibela, and in particular, St. George's.
2: So there is a belief that pilgrims to Lalibela share the same blessing as the pilgrims to Jerusalem. So you can imagine how important it is. And we have several thousands of pilgrims every year, uh, walk, drive, or fly. So uh, it's a church for all Christians.
0: For a few centuries after they were built, nobody outside of the Horn of Africa knew of the Rockhewn churches. Then by the 1800s, they became sort of rumors that folks in the outside world knew of, but that nobody had actually ever seen with what used to be a difficult journey to Lalibela. Recently though, that's changed.
2: But now, the last 20, 25 years, more, more tourists are coming from different parts of the world.
0: Reaching the site no longer requires equipment and a horse. And have you been to a service at uh, St. George's? Oh, yes. Yeah. What's it like?
2: Well, It's really impressive, you know. Uh, there is, you know, chanting and singing. People can stand even outside as well. So that's also part of the church. If the inside is full, you still can stand in the compound or in the courtyard and attend the service. So, especially on, on Sunday and on St. George's Day, there are, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of people gathered to attend the service.
0: Today, if you go to St. George's, it'll probably be pretty packed, especially if you go during the pilgrimage period, which is the week leading up to Ethiopian Christmas on January 7th. 700 years after King Lalibela had St. George's carved, it's still used by the descendants of his people. Maybe that was part of his vision. But either way, this place is a staple in Ethiopian Orthodox Christianity.
2: For instance, this year, we expected about 1.8 million pilgrims. Hmm. This is from different parts of Ethiopia. So most of the pilgrims, if they even if they can uh, pay for transport, they still walk. Wow work for several days, for a week, two weeks, because that's part of the pilgrimage.
0: Lalibela's entire population is usually about 20,000 people. It's not that big. But the number of people in this Ethiopian town balloons to hundreds of thousands, and even as Fikru said, over a million. And those are people who don't need to make the thousands of miles journey to Jerusalem because King Lalibela made a Jerusalem of their own right there in their home country. St. George's is open every day, but right now the U.S. State Department doesn't encourage travel to northern Ethiopia due to the conflict in the Tigray region. So we've included a link to the zamaniproject.org in the show notes where you can see a virtual rendering of all the rock-hewn churches of Lalibela. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. This episode was edited by
1: Tracy Samuelson.
0: Our production team includes
1: Camille Stanley,
0: Dylan Therese,
2: Doug Baldinger,
0: Chris Naka,
2: Manolo Morales, Gabby Gladney.
0: Our technical director is Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tindall. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our episode description. My name is Baudelaire. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkia Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.